What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is episode eight, which is a first in the series, Real Men, Real Stories. These are going to be everyday stories from everyday men simply talking about what they've gone through, what they're going through, how they're coping, how they're failing. And my intent is that there is something in these stories you will be able to connect with, either how it happened or when it happened or whose idea it was. But I want you to see that it's possible to survive divorce. And these men are going to be a living testament to that. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something out of it. There we go. Episode 8. Okay, Brandon, thank you for joining me. Um, so let's just uh, jump right into it. Let's um, let's get your story and um, go from there. All right. Um, so my name is Brandon, and I was uh, married to my wife, soon to be divorced, um, coming this week on the 16th. And we were married for 23 years um have a a daughter teenage daughter uh we met um and became best friends and we hung out uh we were inseparable we talked all the time we we supported each other and um you know so we decided that we were going to start dating there was a little things before that and i think that's kind of what led to kind of establishing the relationship, um, on its pathway down that happened early on, um, because we were best friends. Um, you know, she was kind of my wingman. I was kind of her wingman. We hung out. We, she started, um, dating one of my best friends at that time. I'd just gotten out of a long-term relationship. So I'd been, you know, for two years I'd been single and, you know, I met her and we had been friends and the minute she started dating my best friend, it created a sense of urgency for me with her. So, sure. um, but at that time, during that two years, I had got out of a toxic, very, very toxic relationship. And I had to shut down, close myself off emotionally just to get away from this, this girl I'd, I'd been seeing for, for three years. And so I wasn't really mm-hmm. emotionally ready to dive into something that intense especially with her, but I did it because it was an emergency situation and I didn't want to take that chance to lose her. So I think that kind of started off our marriage of 23 years, kind of off on a foot that I wasn't emotionally ready. It's kind of an asshole at the first of the relationship. Um, But we managed to work through it. I ended up growing up, getting a real job, handling my responsibilities. Uh, We were married for 10 years before we had my daughter. And and during that time, um, you know, there was all kinds of reasons why it took 10 years, uh, female issues, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Lots of, lots of, uh, surgeries for, Mm -hmm. for female related issues. We, we had to go through IVF to conceive my daughter. So there was lots of hormones and things going on there. Um, so on the intimacy side and, and, and through, throughout our marriage, it was always kind of a struggle of that, um, you know, female problems and, and, and things mm-hmm. like that, that was going on. Gotcha. 
Um, did that cause issues between you two? I'm guessing did it, it cause a strain on the relationship? It it did at various points. I mean, not that our intimacy was bad, but the timing and fulfilling each other's needs. So, for instance, because of her female issues, she would, um, you know, start that pre-monthly uh, hormonal thing that goes on with women. I can't really explain it. I don't want to offend any women out there, but it it would start two weeks early. You know, so it would leave like a week window in the month where we had the ability to like maybe have some intimacy and it always caused this back and forth pull. And I was very understanding about it and sympathetic to it. You know, I, I worked around it. We tried to, we tried to, you know, so it always created this strain through our marriage. But again, we, we were really good at everything, but being us. And so, you know, uh, financially we're successful, uh, professionally we were successful on the same page in regards to religion and beliefs and structures. And, and it, we did nine out of 10 things very well, but us, uh, I think the best friendship kind of is what kept everything rolling. And then we had our daughter and, 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 uh, everything was rolling pretty long. I mean, we had our struggles with being new parents and being married 10 years without a kid around adjusting to new routines, you know, uh, right. It, it was a struggle there. So we were rocking along. We, we, we would have our, our, our issues with the female problems ongoing. She had four surgeries. Uh, she had the loss of two babies, one tubal, one during the IVF, uh, but I was always there to support her and, and, and take care of her. Did any communication issues pop up from, from the get-go? Did you notice any issues in terms of how you two were able to deal with these problems? Yeah. So she's very, she's very, um, so she is a very successful professional woman. And so the way she deals with things is in tasks oriented mm -hmm. and she's also very on her own little Island. And she, she, she internalizes everything where I externalize everything. Right. And so it created this push pull dynamic mm -hmm. and how we communicated that push pull dynamic. I would push for what I needed out of the relationship. She would take it as me being critical mm -hmm. and then shut down and build walls. Gotcha. So that was a slow poison in regards to anything with us over the course of 23 years. So about two years ago, um, she finally decided to get a hysterectomy. Um, when she did that, she finally got off birth control for all the female issues. Um, she's, she's in her mid forties, um, showing some symptoms in my opinion. Now I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not a woman, so I can't right. speak to that, but about being premenopausal and that, kind of amplified everything mm. to the downfall of our marriage, which initiated, which led to her asking for a divorce in, in August. In August. Okay. Was that a complete shock to you? It was, it, it blindsided me because I was always of the mindset that um, because we were best friends, because we have been through all these things, because I'd helped her with her dad's passing, I was always there and supportive. And we did all these things right that that our marriage and our vows were strong enough to be able to work through anything. Yeah. 
And so when that came, when that hit you, how did, how did that affect you mentally? Mentally, uh, at first, I went through a spiral the first weekend. So she told me on a Friday night, that weekend was a spiral of out of control drinking and, um, you know, emotions and, 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 and all of that. And yeah. uh, so after I got through that weekend, I focused back and I said, okay, how can we handle this? Well, number one, can I fix it? Right. right? Right. Can I make it right? Because that's what I do. I try to make things right. Yeah. I think that's what all men do. Yeah. And she had already made up her mind. She had had months and months to process this. Right. right? So there was no changing her mind. Um, so next phase was, I guess, acceptance for me. How long did that take? Uh, it took a couple of weeks. Yeah. took a couple of weeks to, to finally realize that, that this um, is, is headed the way it is. And so I decided to just sit down and talk to her and say, how are we going to handle this? Right. Um, and so we decided that, you know, we're going to handle this the best way we can. Um, we want to remain friends because we had that strong friendship. Um, and, you know, even at her suggestion, you know, remain intimate we slept in the same bed still together you know we we're having sex three and four times a week is I, I guess it was more like a trauma bonding more than anything yeah so everything was you know okay we we sat down she's she's a professional so when we divided out assets and we we're looking at custodies and we were looking at all these things we had the agreement rocking in place everything was good Everything was good. Everything was lined out. I mean, so we decided to file ourselves because we thought, hey, we can save all this lawyer crap, save sure. some money, file it ourselves. We agree 100% on this. Um, and so we went down that road and the courts found a few little things that were wrong. And so they rejected our initial divorce because, um, you know, we wanted some customizable things in there. And with state forms, there's really no leeway in for for custom agreements. Gotcha. So I, I suggested to her that, Hey, let's go find a mediator. Let's get them to draw up all the paperwork and all this stuff. And, and, and during this time, um, I, you know, in October, I secured a place for me and my daughter and, uh, we were buying furniture cause I was leaving the, everything behind. Cause she was in such this large house that I didn't need to gut the house and leave it empty. And, uh, we wanted to make sure we set each other up for success and moving on. And so I'd secured a place in October. I'd planned the movers to come out in November and uh, furniture was arriving November for my daughter and myself in the new place. And, and so we had this plan and everything was kind of going along. So we come November, mid-November, I had the movers scheduled and the Friday before I'm supposed to move, we we have a standing lunch date, and we still do, of being able to sit down and talk with each other about what's going on with my daughter, uh, just have some conversations about how things are going. And so I call her up and say, hey, uh, well, you know, what are we doing for lunch? And she's like, well, I've got emergency meeting, and and uh, but after that, I'll give you a call. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. Well... About two hours later, I don't hear from her, and so I give her a call, and the phone picks up, and I hear road noise in the background, and then I hear, is that daddy? 
and I'm like, okay, this is a Friday. My daughter's supposed to be in school. Mm. What the hell is going on and why is she in the car? Right. So I, I call back and immediately the phone's turned off. Mm. So I go look on, find my phone and I find that they're about 50 miles or an hour away. She's headed to her mom's house uh, in Austin, 300 miles away. Geez. So I can't reach out. It's obviously she's leaving town. Right. I have this feeling something's fixing to go down. Yeah. Right. So she, she jets out of town. I don't hear from both my daughter and my wife that whole day. I'm trying to scramble because that's the weekend I'm moving. Right. And just to, just to kind of figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day she calls me and she's like, look, there was, for me, there was a stress and a pressure cooker building in the house that I could no longer deal with. Mm-hmm. And I needed you out. And I said, well, I had the mover scheduled this Sunday. And she goes, well, you're getting hit with papers, um, a restraining order, removing you from the house. And um, me and my daughter, me and your daughter are not coming back until you're out of the house. So at, at this point, I'm sure most guys are thinking what I'm thinking. And that is, there has to be somebody else. Is Was that, is that the case? Is another, uh, was there another man involved um, in this scenario? No, there's not. I mean, that's the one thing about this whole thing is that there's never been any trust issues, cheating, lying, financial problems. Hmm. There's still not anybody to this day. Um, she's one of those that goes to work. She comes home. She sits on the couch. She watches TV, rinse, repeat. She doesn't go work out at weird times. She doesn't leave right. the her place of work at lunch. She doesn't there's no, I, I don't want to say there's no opportunity, but right. there's just no indicators that, that that's the case and still no indicators right. today that, that, that that's the case. Right. And so how long before um, she came back then with your daughter? So I got moved out and uh, I even went as far as to because I took the master bedroom furniture. I moved the guest furniture into our master bedroom and set it all up for her and uh you know all anything that i took from the house i made sure things were replaced and i cleaned it and i set it all nice and neat and you know moved some pictures around and hung them up so when she walked in the door she had nothing to complain about there was no issues Mm. you know that the place was set up and and left in good shape because i didn't want to cause any more havoc that's already being you know rained down upon this situation so She comes back on that sun that sat that Monday Hmm. um, and she comes over to my new place and, and uh, you know, we have a brief conversation and I, you know, I told her, I said, you knew I was moving. I said, it it didn't have to come to this. And we had all this agreement and she's like, well, it was just a pressure cooker for me. And I felt like I needed to take some kind of action. So that Friday, you know, I, that she left, I retained the, lawyer now we've got lawyers involved you mm-hmm. know and we tried to avoid that at all cost right. um and and now it's this big mess of now i can't trust her i don't know what's going to happen at this point right um this speaks to to her inability to communicate if right i mean if if there was an issue that led to do her doing what she did she clearly didn't uh bring you in on any of that right 
Yeah, I mean, she she's the she's the horrible communicator when it comes to uh, you know expressing her feelings. Right. Um, that's what makes her so good professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks in a lot of gray areas, never answers any direct questions, mm-hmm. type thing. And um, you know, it's at, the communication part of it was is was really our biggest issue, and right. so. I think if she just would have communicated all of this, we probably could have worked through it, but she, sure. she internalizes everything. And then it just finally, it erupts. So, right. so after, after you get this, this incident, you get served papers. What was your mental state at that point? How were you feeling? My mental state was a disaster. So let me tell you what I, I think set off the bomb with her. Hmm. So during all this time, you know, we're living together. Uh, we're, we're trying to work this out stress is building you know i'm still kind of an emotional wreck from it so i go and see my doctor about hey man i this is this is getting to be too much i can't focus at work right i can't i can't handle daily things i'm walking around like a zombie he's like well let's let's get you something to help deal with this so he prescribes me a uh, an antidepressant um and he said, this should help level things out and get you through this. And then once you get through it, we'll get you off of it. And, you know, uh, you can start to learn to deal with things. And of course, I'm talking to a therapist a little bit and you can learn to start dealing with these emotions and things that's going on. So about, so I start taking the, the antidepressant and about four days into it, uh, we go on a Sunday, we go we go eat dinner and we go run errands and we're buying play things for her and me to, to, to split everything out. And we go eat dinner and we walk back in the house and I'm, we go to finish laundry and I'm helping her hang up laundry. And I have this panic attack and I've never really experienced a panic attack before uh, this moment. And I experienced something that hit me and I felt like it crippled me. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't stand up. Everything was spinning. Uh, It it was something like I said, I've never experienced before. So I go down, I go to my like little man cave area, have a recliner in there and I lay back in the, in the uh, recliner in the dark. And I'm just trying to collect my thoughts. And she walks in and she's like, what's going on with you? And I I tell her, I I said, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm feeling like crap and I don't know what's going on with me. My head's in a thousand different places. And she's one of these that again, not a great communicator, not a great empathy or sympathy type of person. So she's like, you need to get your shit together and you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Cause you know, um, and I like that just kind of like modified things to a thousand percent. So she goes back into her area I'm listening to the TV. Everything in the house is like nails on a chalkboard. All of this is going on. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm the problem here. I'm the problem in my daughter's life. I'm the problem in my wife's life. I'm in the problem in my family's life. I am the problem. I need to, I need to not be the problem anymore. So I just get up, I get in my truck and I start heading. I, I, I leave. I don't tell anybody anything. I turn off my phone and I am headed as far east as I can drive to the smallest town on the east coast as I can get away from. And I'm just going to disappear like the witness protection program. And so I'm driving down the road and I get to the exit to my new place. And I, I, I guess I have this come to 
come to Jesus moment, if, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and I say, what the hell am I doing here? So I exit right. off and I, I pull in and I go into my new place. I still got the phone turned off and I just sit in the dark and just try to breathe and collect my thoughts and, and find out what the hell is going on with me. So about two year, two about two hours later, I finally, finally kind of right. everything kind of comes back down. I'm, I'm I'm functioning again, and so I go back home, and she's she's pissed off. My daughter's upset. They thought they didn't know what to think. Nobody knew where I was at. Um, they were panicked, and I think that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back, which led to the restraining orders and the forcing me out of the house type thing and no empathy to the reaction I had. And I realized it was, it was the, it was the medication that was doing it to me. So I immediately got off the medication. Uh, the next day I started right. feeling better. I pulled my wife and my daughter in and I apologized for my reaction and explained to them, try to kind of how I was feeling and what was going on with me. And of course, still kind of know because she has never experienced that. Mm. She has no sympathy to it. You know, it's not she's never walked in the shoes of, of dealing with something like that. And so it, it just kind of set off this whole event. And I think after that point in time is when she's like, I had enough. This is too much for me. And that's what led to forcing me out of the house, even though I had the mover scheduled for that weekend to move out. So after she come back. Um, we, I made the decision that, you know, uh, I have to make this work for my daughter. So I have to have a relationship with her. She still is my best friend, even though she is still my friend. I don't want to say best anymore because there's a loss of trust now that's sure. happened, but she still is my friend. And so I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do here? How am I going to, to handle this? And so you know, after spending a couple of nights with my daughter and after thinking through it, I said, all right, I have got to be the bigger person in this. I have got to do what benefits me. I've got to do what benefits my daughter. And at that point, if I need to sacrifice myself in the short term to make sure that, number one, this agreement that I don't make her mad and she goes for something like standard custody. Right that this is if this agreement is going to go through and that we're going to be able to function as good co-parents i have got to sacrifice maybe a little bit of myself or a majority of myself yeah. to ensure that um you know the outcome for my daughters in the best case scenario that it can be so you would you say you have some anger towards your soon-to-be ex-wife oh i have a lot of anger and 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 right now I've put it all to the side. So I've compartmentalized it in a box. I put it up on the shelf. I'm getting through this divorce, which like I said, should be finalized next week. Yeah. Um, and I don't let it rear its ugly head. And, and, and I'm going to deal with that at another time. Right now I'm sacrificing myself. I'm going over there. I'm helping her get set up. I'm, I'm moving pictures on the wall. I'm I'm repairing breakers that are GFCI breakers that are weak. I'm, I'm making sure the internet's up and running and the, the TVs are functioning and I'm, I'm doing all these things and she's inviting me over for dinner. So, 
you know, because I'm helping her out and, and, and we're having this dynamic where we're helping each other out and it, it's, it's a mess for me, but in that moment, it is not about her and it's not about me. It's about my daughter. And so I make that sacrifice and then I come home and if I need to break down or I need to scream at the walls, I do it in private and I handle it within myself. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a stronger man than I, cause I struggle with that portion of it. My anger is tough for me to contain. I don't yell or, or anything of that nature. I just avoid, um, you know, I don't have anything to say to her. My, my view is, and, and I'm not disagreeing with your view. I think it's probably the better one. My view is, you know, it's your decision to end the relationship. Then, then that means it's ended in, in terms of like, I'm not going to help you set up your internet. I'm not going to help you with whatever your problems are. That's your problem. Uh, unfortunately that I know that it, it isn't the best way um, for my daughter, but I, I, I think I've, I will slowly, I hope so slowly, get to to your state of mind um perhaps just in a in a different uh, route but um let's talk about some of the lessons you've learned about being in a relationship or some of the mistakes that you realized that were made um during the course of the marriage that led to where you're at now besides uh communication on her end what about your end uh so for me a lot of it had to do with um you know, the way I, I process things that, that, that pushing nature, right? So I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer professionally. You know, I can, I can solve problems. I get in, I jump in, I deal with it. And, and also, you know, with the way I feel about things. And so I'm a very vocal guy. And so with that, the, the, the one lesson I learned is how I vocalize my issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I push my issues because I, I had a tendency to push my issues to my outcome, right. not necessarily the outcome that was the benefit of both parties, right. but it was the outcome that I had planned because I'm a planner and I'm looking through A, B, A through Z scenarios. Right. And I want, I know what each scenario is going to plan out. And so I want it to work out to the plan that I had put in place. Right. And so the one thing I've learned through all of this is my communication skills, even though I communicated, it was, it was not necessarily to the outcome that needed to happen. It was the outcome that I thought needed to happen. And so, um, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I learned here is, is, is more of go with the flow instead of kind of direct. Right. Well, it can be tough. I mean, I was in a similar scenario. Um, it can be tough when the other party, um, is so reserved and you feel like you have to pull it out of them. Um, that can be frustrating. Um, and finding a way to give them not only the space to speak, but almost the encouragement, because maybe they've never had that before. Maybe that's the way that they were, um, you know, raised by their father or what other, whatever other circumstances there were or are, but it is a difficult bridge the gap sometimes because it's, it's completely opposite styles. And if, if you were the kind of guy, like I, I sounds like we were similar, you know, I'm, and most men are, we're, we got a goal, we're going to go hit it. And if you're going to sit over there quietly and just, you know, in, in the, along for the ride, not expressing yourself, then that's, it's going to continue. And I think what happens and I'm not a professional, but I've, I've heard a few of these stories. And I think is that they eventually sit in, in the back and just build resentment over time. And, to a point that something at some point pushes them 
to a, a point where they can't, they can no longer do that. And unfortunately you're completely caught off guard because, you know, for the whole time, they're just along for the ride. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think the one thing I should have done that I didn't do is when she would escape to her little Island and uh, pull back and, and, and put up her walls, yeah. she would sit on the couch and, and watch the, the, the women's shows that, that typically are watched yeah. And when she would pull back, I would go to my man cave um, because and and not engage and and then I would with, withdraw right. and I should have sat down right beside her and not forced her to engage, right. but actively engaged with her over time. And I didn't. I think that's the one mistake that I made is is just suck it up. This is who she is. Sit down. And, 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 and pull, pull her out in a positive way instead of right. saying she goes to her island, I'm going to go to my island, and we're going to let this thing fester. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, any, other, any other things that you, you, you found um, that you could work on, on for yourself going forward for the next one? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's a uh, – the biggest revelation that I had was, is again, how I go about being that partner. Yeah. Uh, because I was, because she was reserved and didn't like creating ripples in the pond and she didn't, she, she, I made all the decisions. I provided the structure. I was the safety. I was the rock. I did all this. She, and, and so she calls it now I was controlling, but I wasn't controlling because she never really wanted to make the decisions. Right. So they were typically my outcome and she blames me for that and says I was controlling, but I wasn't really controlling. It's just, she never made a decision. And now I've, you know, one of the things that I think I need to work on is sitting down and actually coming together and, and getting that input instead of letting them sit on the sidelines, right. actively engage and say, look, I really need your opinion on this. Right. I really need you or maybe even force them to make that decision instead of myself. Do you think it's a matter of also being mindful of not, I don't want to say avoiding, but at least acknowledging if you are in a relationship um, with that type of person that you see that, but maybe even before getting to that, is that something you would consider avoiding altogether and, and maybe just finding a more outgoing type of person? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, like I said, we did nine out of 10 things, right. But it's the one thing right. I, at, at this point now, I would rather find that one thing yeah. and work on the other nine. Yeah. Um, Amen. and because I think if you find the right person that's a good teammate, that's compassionate and loving and, and, and embracing and warm and, and empathetic and sympathetic, they're going to be on a team with you. Yeah. And then you can come together on all the other nine things. Right. Our problem was, is we had all the other nine things, but we didn't have that part of it that really would have strengthened yeah. the whole complete package. So, so let's, let's swing back to, to your anger. Um, yeah. I know for me, it's, it's like I said, it's, it is a bit of a struggle at times. Um, some, sometimes more than others, but how do you, is that something you've always been able to do or always, um, you know, did in terms of 
compartmentalizing your anger or, or is that something that you developed strictly because of the situation and trying to do what's best for your daughter? I developed that strictly in this situation. My throughout my whole throughout my whole life, I grew up I grew up out in the oil fields with the roughnecks going to school. Uh, you know, I had outlets for my anger, whether it was football or Golden Gloves boxing or uh, karate and MMA. Um, you know, I was always active, so I always had outlets for my anger. Um, it, it's just, I guess, it's part of the nature of growing up of 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 dealing with all that. And I was never angry towards her. I was never abusive towards her. I never yelled at her. I never put a finger on her. I never. You know, I was never any of that. Mm. I always had outlets for my for for my anger. And then when this hit in the anger built, I said, okay, at this point, my outlet for my anger is gonna be put on the shelf, but my outlet is gonna be focusing on making this right and making this a good environment. So I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna do what's right by my daughter, independent of of my soon to be ex-wife and uh, make this thing work because I have to raise a functioning uh, daughter in, in, in the world that we have right now. And I need to make sure she's prepared. And then I'll pull that box down uh, when all this gets settled and I'll re-enroll in some martial arts or, or I'll start lifting weights or I'll find another outlet for my anger um, with all this and I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. How often do you have to sort of check yourself with that anger? Do you find yourself having to do that frequently? Um, and, and if so, even, even if not, uh, how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you stop yourself from being angry in, in, in a particular moment where anger is probably justified and warranted? Um, I just, I have to either a walk away, uh, just say timeout. Um, if, if it gets to that point or, you know, if I know I wake up that morning, cause there's some mornings I wake up just pissed off, yeah. right. Just pissed yep. off at the world. Yep. And I just, you know, a quick 50 pushups and some setups and, and get in the shower and, and, and just go through the day. If that's what I've got to do, that's what I got to do. If I got to get to work and I got to blast the hardest metal music I can find on my <laughs> phone and just let them scream it out for me. Yeah, that's what I do. And so uh, that's how I'm dealing with it now. And I, I, anger, I've, I've, I've come to the realization that anger serves no benefit in any of this yeah. at this point. You're 100% correct. Uh, I admire you, sir, for your ability to not only recognize it, because some some don't, I at least recognize it. I'm just shitty at <laughs> dealing with it. But uh, your ability to um, refocus your energy or expel that energy in a different way, it's it's admirable. And I hope that other men hear this and are inspired by it. I certainly am. Uh, and I, it's, that's why I really wanted to have you on. This is... Um, this is an admirable way to be, and you should be proud of yourself for handle, how you're handling it. Well, I, if I had had, you know, for the guys out there that do have anger issues or are going through this emotional wreck, you know, I completely empathize for them. And I would tell them, you know, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters in, in, in divorce with kids is the kids. Yeah. So refocus that anger, refocus that energy, refocus that, 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 that emotion to your kids. Don't burden your kids with it. 
don't absolutely don't lay it on their shoulders, but focus it on them. And if you have to suck it up and just smile at the X to know that you're bettering your kid's outcome in the end of this thing, then focus all that energy on, on doing the right things, being the adult. And that's the big thing for me was, is I'm going to handle this like an adult. I'm going to handle this like a responsible human being. And I am going to do ultimately what's right in the, in the scheme of thing in regard to my daughter. Well, you're, you're, uh, you're a strong man and I, and I am you. And, uh, like I said, I hope other men will draw inspiration for what you, what you're able to do. Um, I mean, I made my mistakes, right? I've, I, uh, sure. you know, like I said, don't burden your kids. You know, one of the things is with my daughters, I try to be open and truthful with my kids as much as possible. I think that's, I think, they, I think that's a key thing with being a parent yep. is being awful, open and truthful with your kids. And sometimes you, you want to be truthful, but you don't realize that at their age, right. some of that truth is a little hard to shoulder. So, you know, when we first went through this divorce, you know, I, I sat down and had a conversation with my daughter and I, you know, sometimes you tell them how you're feeling. Sometimes you, you, you tell them that, you know, Hey, dad's going to be alone this weekend. And you know, it's tough and it's, it's hard on dad. And yeah, just, you know, you're trying to get them to kind of understand emotions because you don't want them. You want them to embrace their emotions. You want to teach them to embrace it in a positive way. But also by telling them that you're sh they shoulder that burden of dad's going to be alone. I don't right. want dad to be alone. Right. And so I've had to learn through this to temper my honesty and truthfulness in regards to this um, and, and be very careful in what what I say and how I lay out um, that openness and truthfulness with them, with her. Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, I think it's uh it's amazing your ability to to do that and like i said uh i envy you and and i certainly uh think you should be proud of yourself for sure um can you give us your best final words of wisdom um for guys that are going through this process yeah so my advice would be listen to your podcast with with the lawyer um because i didn't do that and i should have right yeah um, we tried to handle it ourselves. Uh, there's going to be too much stress and emotion involved. Let the professional deal with it. Go yeah. ahead and pony up the money. Let yeah. the, even if it's amicable, let them deal with the details. Uh, let them work it out. And so that takes a burden off of your shoulders that doesn't create stress in the environment. The second thing I would tell them is also do that. Go to the lawyer, file first, and then that protects you of being able to move out of the house uh, in regards to all that, because if you stay in that house, it is not going to end well. Um, so get out of the house the proper way. Um, and I think that'll alleviate a lot of stress in the situation sure. that won't lead to, uh, I think the divorce will be much more smooth yeah. in, in, in the end, barring that there's no, infidelity or cheating or trust or, or, or any of that broken. If it's just a divorce, just get out of the situation and start your healing. And that's why I would advise them to go to the lawyer and go ahead and get that done. So you are able to move out. So you are able to do those things. So you do not create a more hostile environment. Amen. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for 
telling your story, um, for providing what I believe is inspiration, certainly to me. And I hope to the other man, it's, um, it's a good thing, um, you've done and I truly, truly appreciate it, man. I appreciate everything that you're doing and every, every guy on, on the Facebook page, you know, if they need to reach out to me, I'm available. Um, you know, uh, I'll make my time to, to sit down and talk with guys if they just want advice or if they just want to vent. Yeah. Um, you know, I know I don't have that person I could vent to. My wife was that person I could vent to, and now I don't have that person. So I'm learning how to have that person and I want to help those people out there. So, well, we're, we're about ready to, I think tonight we'll be announcing, um, some group chats that we're going to do. I think at this point we'll probably do three a week. Uh, I think, It'll probably be different themes each week. And I would love to have you tied into that. Perhaps maybe, maybe even lead one uh, specifically maybe on how to deal with anger. Cause um, to me, you're a, you're a Jedi over there on how you're dealing with this. And uh, I think it would be a great service to the men. I would, I'd be more than happy to. All right. Well, great, Brandon. Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. That's a wrap for episode eight. I want to thank Brandon for joining me and sharing his story. I hope there was something in there that, you could relate to and help you to see that it is possible to survive divorce. It's not easy, but it is possible. Thank you again for listening. I truly appreciate it. And I hope these podcasts are helping you because they are certainly helping me. Till next time, take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Nick Coyle and Lifer for allowing me to use their song, Born Again which you're hearing now and at the intro to the podcast. Thank you to Justin Delahanty and all of my brothers at the Alpha Code. Please reach out and connect with me and other like-minded men on the Facebook group page, Rising Phoenix Podcast. This group will be used to discuss released episodes, future episodes, and to discuss any and all things that come from dealing with a divorce, separation, or breakup. I look forward to connecting with you. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And remember to surround yourself with people who add value to your life, who challenge you to be greater than you were yesterday, who sprinkle magic into your existence just like you do to theirs. Life is not meant to be done alone. Find your tribe. Take care.